With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. Blog Talk Radio. Right, well, welcome back to the Shades of Blue Soccer Show. This is Sad Bell from thebluetestament.com. Uh, online, we should have Mike Kuhn from down the byline. You there, Mike? I'm here. And also just joined us is, it looks like it's Mike Jacobs from uh, Sporting Kansas City, the Assistant Technical Director. Are you there, Mike? Yes, hi. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How's, how's it down in Arizona? Oh, it's, it's been a it's been a great trip for us. Really productive to uh, get a chance to be down here in a uh, warm weather, escape uh, Kansas City for a couple of weeks, and uh, kind of finish up the final phase of our preseason. What well, well, um Just a, in general terms, how's this first preseason with sporting been for you? You know, what what's it been challenge for you, or what's been the 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 good side, I guess. Well, you know, it's uh, it's exciting to be a part of a club like Sporting that has uh, such high expectations. And such a tremendous commitment to excellence in uh, every facet, from uh, our coaching staff to our players to our support staff. Uh, I've never been a part of a group that's so committed to uh, find success and help everybody. Uh, you know, so from that standpoint, I mean, uh, it's, it's not a coincidence that the club has had such success for so many years under uh, Peter Vermes. And uh, you know, I think uh, the challenging part for us is uh, you know the, the three properties that you know uh, 
that that we focus on uh, with with on the field is you know our, our first team or senior team with Sporting Kansas City, our you know, new reserve team with Troll Park Rangers, and then you know our, our academy that helps feed into both those groups and the ability to to manage the pathway for all three of those groups and to have all three of them kind of represented down here in Tucson has been pretty neat, but there's certainly challenges with that as well. No, you you joined uh, Sporting last season, uh, partway through the season, and uh, you were the uh, assistant technical director under Peter Vermees. But one of the big goals that, since you've been here has been, I mean, I know identifying players for Sporting, but has been focused on helping build Swope Park Rangers from scratch. Can you talk about the the philosophy you guys uh, worked with? I know you worked with Peter. I know you worked with Coach DeSantos um, and, you know, everybody else involved. But can you just talk about how that, that approach to building Swope Park has been? Well, it's, it's a great project to be a part of because uh, we talk a lot about vertical integration with the club, and uh, it's really given us an opportunity to kind of create a bridge between our academy and our first team. And, you know, for, for laymen who aren't uh, that familiar with this process, uh, it's, it's very similar to professional baseball, having a theater system that builds up from the, your minor league system from A ball all the way up to your major league team. Uh, you know, for those who follow the game, you know, having a, a reserve team like this, you know, let's uh, enable us to be like the rest of the world now. You know, we can actually have uh, a legitimate reserve team where we can uh, accelerate the growth of our top young academy players. Uh, we can identify players uh, age-wise, maybe in between our academy and our first team to give them chances to grow and develop into first-team players. And then for our, our first-team players, maybe who aren't getting as many opportunities to get to feature regularly in our first team, a chance to play meaningful matches opposed to the old MLS Reserve League. So for us, I mean, the, the goal for us is to, to not only have a competitive team that can compete in the USL, but ideally we're trying to identify players that we think can kind of ascend themselves in the first team. I, I know one of the times that we spoke before, um, you, you said that, like, everybody that you brought in to the team, um, you know, the signings, not the academy players or the or the guys that maybe are coming down to get some time, but the, the guys you're bringing in, the the Grants, the uh, Lubins, Dane Kelly, Turpak, et cetera, on down the line. These are all guys that you didn't want to sign unless you thought might have a chance to make significant, you know, make it to the first team. Yeah, you know, it helps, uh, I think, in my role, having a chance to work so closely with Peter to have an idea of what he looks for in players in each of the roles that we have in our first team. And when we first brought Mark DeSantos on board, what I definitely appreciated about him was that, you know, he had a shared vision and philosophy of how a team should play. So it blended really well kind of into the sporting way. So for us, uh, and Mark and I worked very closely in, in not only identification, but in, you know, really the the recruitment of the players that we thought were going to work well and fit. And, you know, I, ideally for us, uh, you know, in the end of the day, if you're signing players who are in USL, there's probably a reason they're in the USL and not in MLS. And they probably are missing something, you know, but for us, we've tried to do is identify players who displayed certain qualities, either technically, tactically, physically, or psychologically that we thought kind of fit in our system uh, or mirror the, the profile that we have for players in those positions. And our hope is that someone like Mark and the staff he's put together, uh, Nikola Popovic and uh, Alec Dufty, Josh McAllister, that the hope is that those guys could help kind of maybe, maybe almost like polish off the areas that need improvement and turn those guys in, into future first-team players. You'd already mentioned uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about, but you know the the Rangers being the bridge for the academy to the first team. I, I know that that was you know a goal, and uh, Coach DeSantos you know talked about how 
he had a mandate in order in to, to play these players or, or not necessarily to play them, but to give them an opportunity to prove themselves, be it in practice or on the field and such forth like that. But I know we're only two games into the preseason, but we've already seen a couple of academy guys. Well, I think three of them have played significant minutes in the preseason. Is that kind of where you were expecting or is that better than expected? Uh, you know, I, I I really thought, to be honest with you, that the the the, the true benefit of us having a, an opportunity like this for academy players probably wouldn't take effect this early because, you know, uh, you look at the players we have and the age they're at, you probably, they probably need to have two or three years' experience playing in the USL like minor league soccer before they're able to, to assert themselves as quickly, you know, and, uh, and to assimilate so quickly into playing at this level. And, uh, you know, the mandate for Mark, I mean, we, we absolutely want to have it where he's using our top ten academy players but they also, we also try to ward off the idea of entitlement, and we don't want to have kids who assume because they're good academy players they'll get an opportunity with Sporting Kansas City or with Swope Park Rangers. You know, uh, they're trialists, uh, and the hope is that they take an approach like that. And, you know, for us, where we want to have more developing players, we also think the best way for them to do that is to teach these guys how to fight and compete. And, uh, you know, he's proven himself, Mark, at, at a number of different clubs, uh, a number, uh, number of different countries, uh, to show that he has the ability to develop teams that play a practice style of play uh, and compete and win games. And the fact that it has so, such success so early on, we were talking yesterday, and he's only had 12 training sessions. And, you know, to, to have beat an MLS club like Colorado, uh, to have uh, performed pretty well uh, on two days, three days rest against Arizona United, and, you know, to, you know, to do that on, on such a quick turnaround to me so early on is very unique for him to get to kind of blend a new group that's starting from scratch and to do that with, Guys like Nansel Selbol and Will Little and Ezra Armstrong, you know, some of these guys are 17, 18 years old. I think that's really exciting, uh, not only for the present right now for, for that team, but for the future of sport in Kansas City. And for for guys like uh, for Will Little from the academy, uh, D. Uh, I'm not sure how you say that his name, but and and Armstrong, these are guys that are getting some minutes. But even if they don't necessarily stick with the Rangers, as they go back to the academy, now they've stepped up their play. They've they've maybe go back and raise the level of play of the academy. Is that a, is that kind of a fair assumption or or goal? Well, what I would say is it's it's uh, the principle is kind of like overload training. Uh, uh, the idea, the analogy I'd use might be like having a donut and a baseball bat. You know, uh, these guys playing on these demands, you think about swinging a, a baseball bat with a donut on it, and you take it off how much lighter it is. Uh, my hope is that guys like Will Little or Ezra Armstrong are not only getting opportunities to play in, the, in, in our Swope Park Rangers team, but the hope is that when they go back and play at their 18 team, their game has changed dramatically by being under these kind of demands by having a heavier uh, expectations placed on them, uh, higher demands placed on them. And I think that, that that level of their development and their learning curve is going to benefit them when they play in their own age group. And like you said, I think it's going to help the other kids who are playing with as well. Yeah. One of the one of the players who uh, wasn't there, I don't know if he's arrived yet, uh, or I think he's supposed to be, be arriving shortly, is, if he's not there already, is uh, Kevin Oliveira. Is, is he Has he arrived yet? Uh, Kevin has not arrived yet, but he should be here by the end of the week. We're just waiting on uh, some uh, paperwork with his visa. I know he's been uh, – I, I know you haven't really seen him in camp yet, but it sounds like everybody has some pretty high expectations of him. Um, you know, Rob Hyman was tweeting about him before he was even signed, and, you know, people were thinking he was going to directly to sporting and not necessarily to the Rangers. Uh, uh, Coach DeSantos kind of described him as a special player, you know, having that ability or potential at least. What what do what do you see in him? What do you think that the fans will see from somebody like Oliveira when he gets here? 
that, I'm, I'm sure fans will have high expectations and want to see him climb quickly from the uh, the Swope Park Rangers at the Sporting Kansas City. You know, to me, I, I'd rather kind of under promise and hope they over delivers and not try to put too much uh, pressure expectations on the kid. But uh, you know, from our standpoint, when we brought him in, I mean, he's someone that that we see with the intentions of being a future first team player. And, you know, uh, uh, Coach Santos talks all the time about a player's adaptation, you know, especially somebody who's an international, you know, how long it takes them to adapt to the culture, to the game in our country, to their teammates. Uh, you know, for us, I mean, I guess a lot will depend on how quickly Kevin can adapt. But, you know, he's got a – obviously, a, uh, he fits he the profile of a player we look for, uh, you know, with sporting, uh, you know, to play either of those kind of two attacking midfield roles – uh, either like his number ten, like Benny Philhaber, or number eight, like Roger Espinosa. You know, we you know we see him as somebody who has the potential to play like a box-to-box attacking role. Cool. So uh, we 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 don't want to set the expectation that we'll see him up there this year, but we do want to set the expectation that we'll see him contribute at some point. How about that? Uh, that 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 works for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Coach DeSantos, when I've asked him some questions in the past, he didn't want to signal anybody out or, any, you know, he didn't want to, like, name names or anything. But um, I'm going to try to put you on the spot now a little bit. Is there any of the Rangers that have stood out to you as, uh, you know, having maybe performed a little better than you expected or, you know, achieved a little bit more? Or? Uh, okay, honestly, for me, that the guy who I think achieved the most uh, in those first 12, 13 days together is Mark DeSantos. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I cannot get over uh, – you know, he has experience working with an expansion team before. Uh, the idea of melding, uh, you know, 18, 20 guys who have never played together before and turn them into a unit that could knock off an MLS team in a convincing fashion, to me, has been uh, nothing short of remarkable. And uh, I would say, you know, I had high expectations for his ability to develop our group. Um, to, to help them kind of move forward, you know, from being youth players and minor league players uh, up to Major League Soccer with Sporting Kansas City. Uh, I did not expect him to have this um, this kind of influence so quickly on the group. So, I mean, uh, uh, you know, there's been a lot of players who have done well. Uh, whether they've exceeded expectations, I don't know. But I mean, honestly, for me, the guy who's exceeded faces the most so far has been more. And, uh, and and I will I will say that was a, a beautiful sidestep of the actual question, but uh, I, I can't actually agree with you more from what uh, little I got to see when they were here in Kansas City. Um, Coach DeSantos really impressed me with how he was running his drills, his practices. Um, you know, every time I spoke to him, he just impressed me with his knowledge of of how he was approaching, how he was coaching. Uh, I got to I got to I got to give you guys kudos for having lured him here from uh, Ottawa. That's, that was a quite an achievement, I would say. Well, I'll tell you, give Mark a lot of credit also. I mean, look, Peter has uh, uh, not only a tremendous track record for, for developing a club from the top down, but, you know, his ability to assemble a staff of people that compliment him, I think, goes without saying. And I, I give Mark a lot of credit for having a similar vision for how to align and create a group around him and compliment him. And you look at the staff of the guys he's put together, uh, you know, uh, Nicola uh, has worked for Benfica B., uh, in Portugal, uh, Alec Duffy, the goalkeeper coach, and his other assistant, has worked at Toronto FC, too, with their USL team and their academy. So Marcus surrounded himself with other guys who have experience in growing and developing players. And I just think that they have a really unique group of, of uh, coaching staff to put together. And I think that they're, they're the, ideal, uh, you know, the ideal leadership to help kind of blend and mold this group and turn them into – not only future sporting Kansas City players, but in, in, into a, a cohesive unit that could compete in the USL this year. 
Yeah, it, it will. It'll be truly entertaining to me. Um, you know, not to not to suck up, but it's going to be entertaining very much to me to to watch him coach, but to to watch the Rangers play. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys, and then um, seeing who from the first team comes down to get some time. Uh, seeing the academy players come up. Um, it, it's to me, it's a pretty exciting move. The the overall project of the USL team being there. It's a pretty exciting move for a long time. Sporting Kansas City fan slash you know somebody who covers the team to to have that additional um, team out there. It, it, I'm not not really sure how to ask that question, but how how much do you think that will help the first team? You know, a couple years down the road. I mean, is is, there, is it even something quantifiable at this point, or is it something that you know I'm I'm asking the impossible to answer that question. Well, look, I, I was telling somebody the other day, uh, you know, Peter wears several hats in our club. And, uh, you know, he's one of the only managers in the league that's both manager and technical director. So, uh, you know, when I was described the work of myself or Brian Bliss, I would say in the same way that uh, Terry Zavagnin and uh, Zoran Savic, uh, John Pascarella uh, assist Peter as manager, uh, Brian and I assist Peter as the uh, technical director. And, uh, you know, maybe our chief responsibility is managing this pathway that we have uh, to our first team. You know, and you know, and, and how we identify players from outside of our our organization to come into our organization, but the big thing managing that pathway we have for players currently in our, in our organization, and you know, uh, how long will it take? Uh, look, I mean, Sporting just recently signed uh, you know another homegrown player in Daniel Shallowy, who's with our first team, uh, and, and could potentially also see time maybe with the Swope Park Rangers also this year. But uh, you know, what I think you're going to see accelerated is you're probably going to see the number of players that come through the academy into the professional ranks. I mentioned before, I referred to the USL team as a bridge. I think you're going to see more and more players like Will Little, uh, like Nansel Selbo, uh, like Ezra Armstrong, uh, kids like that who maybe would normally be playing their senior high school or freshman year college, they're not going to be playing against seasoned professional players on a regular basis. And uh, to me, it's going to accelerate the process of us turning those kids from amateurs into professionals. That's very exciting. Yeah, you've you've been very quick to to praise Peter and and him bringing a good staff around you, but you were one of those guys that he brought in last year, and you have a kind of an interesting history also. I mean, uh, assistant with Duke, I believe, and then head coach at Evansville. You were with USL and helping them develop uh, the the partnership with MLS and such forth like that. Is is can you just tell everybody just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, you know, I'm uh, born and raised in uh, New York. Uh, I was uh, 24 years old. I was the head coach at Iona College. Uh, so I had a, a quick kind of baptism into college coaching as a head coach. Uh, I think uh, it was probably very unique to be coaching at that, that young an age. And so for me, I, I definitely wanted to be somewhere where I could get a mentorship or apprenticeship. Uh, at the age of 30, I, I moved to uh, Evansville, Indiana with my family to be the assistant coach at the University of Evansville. I was there for two years with Fred Schmaltz, who was a U.S. soccer national staff coach, had experience developing other uh, top head coaches, and I had a chance to work for him for two years before I went to Duke University, and I worked there as, a, as an assistant for five years, and we were very fortunate there to have some uh, some tremendous players that were there. Uh, you know, uh, uh, four of those years were number one in the country. Uh, two of those years, uh, the last two went to the, the College Cup in 2004 and won the AC Championship in uh, 2005. It really kind of created a platform for me to come back to uh, the University of Evansville as a head coach, where I spent nine years uh, working there before I had a chance to to, kind of to pursue my dream working professional soccer. And I had a chance to work at the uh, the USL in their legal office as the executive vice president, 
Uh, I think it, well, that was a great uh, entree for me to get involved in doing that. You know, my passion always lied with helping kind of build a club, build a team. Uh, you know, and, and really the job I always wanted was the one I have now. You know, and uh, uh, that, you know, I think when I first started exploring the idea of uh, working professional soccer, I mean, exploring other opportunities outside of coaching, uh, the opportunity that I have now uh, wasn't available at that time. Uh, you know, there wasn't a position like that. Uh, when Peter created it and had talked about, uh, about coming to Kansas City and working with him, it was like uh, Michael Corleone. It was like an offer I couldn't refuse. So to me, to come to Kansas City <laughs> and to work with Peter, you know, uh, I jumped the opportunity to do that. So, uh, you know, the opportunity to work with him, to work uh, with a club like this, uh, with a fan base like this, uh, with the expectations, uh, the tradition the club has, uh, it's just a dream come true to be here in Kansas City with sport. I'm not sure how many people actually remember because, to be honest, I, I forgot about it at first when you first came here. But uh, you, when you were coaching at Evansville, you played a, a game against Kansas City uh, over in St. Louis, I believe. Yeah, we, we actually played against the, the Wizards two different times. Uh, Peter was gracious enough to do a spring exhibition match uh, against us. Uh, we played once in Kansas City and then once in St. Louis over the years. So. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I, I just like to find these little connections of how things kind of come full circle. And uh, it, I had forgot, completely forgot about that when you first joined the team. Yeah, I'm not so much about this, about this game is uh, relationships, you know. So I think over the years, you, you know, you, you meet people that you spend time with and uh, the opportunity to work with people like that is uh, is unique. So, I mean, me has kind of, you know, I've been friends with Peter for a long time. So the opportunity to kind of to reunite and work with him was uh, was definitely a unique opportunity for sure. I know I've asked you a lot about the on the Rangers side this year or so far today, but uh, how has sporting looked to you? What's What's been the... The, the what stood out for you for uh, you know the first team. I think what, what fans really appreciate this year is uh, you know we're at different times during of course each of the last two seasons as the season went on we kind of ran through the dog days of summer uh, injuries had taken into effect and certainly altered the, the dynamic within the group as far as the the team that Peter was asked to put on the field and uh, the team he has this season is probably the deepest team since 2013 from the standpoint of of how deep he can go in a number of different roles. Uh, I think look at the players in the field and the options he has. You know, in some cases, he could put out a second team that would be competitive on most nights in Major League Soccer. So I, I think to, have, to be able to add players like Brad Davis, uh, you know, like Nuno Cuello, uh, you know, obviously we're still waiting for Justin Mapp to be fully healthy and fit. But I think to add pieces like that has been very, very unique. And uh, it's been interesting to kind of see uh, the different combination of players we've got to kind of throw out there. I think it's, it's definitely going to be a team that's got more depth than we had last year. Yeah, it was, as a uh, as the new players were signed this year and brought in, that, that's been one of my mantras is that it gives Peter a lot of options. Um, you know, he can he has a lot of different different guys he can play on the left or the right or you know different places in the midfield or on the back line. He's got like you said almost two full teams out there. One of the one of the probably the only spot now that anybody's really truly worried about is uh, uh, center forward with Dom being there and after uh, Namath left, uh, and Saloy is probably not ready to step up to prime time just yet. He's still just 19. We want to give him a little bit of time to develop. So uh, is there – and I know there's always been a lot of uh, talk about bringing somebody in and looking and stuff like that. Is there anything you can tell us about that process at this point? I guess at this point what I can tell you is it helps on the way. So <laughs> – 
yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot there, Mike. So I didn't want to, I want to, <laughs> don't want to get you in trouble with Peter or anybody else. So. Um, yeah, I, I would think but, uh, over the next coming weeks you'll have more information to share for sure. <laughs> but I, I will take that as a positive and good news. How about that? That sounds good. All right. Uh, hey, um, I, I've kind of been doing a lot of hogging the talking here, but uh, uh, Kuhn, do you, is there any questions you want to throw out there to Mike? Well, I, I don't want to keep him too much longer. I mean, you've been you've been hitting the points I, I would have hit on. I was I I was really interested in the uh, in the academy aspect of the Rangers specifically. I know that you guys are allowed to roster about or not roster in the main term, but in general roster about five of them that can play uh, for the Rangers over the course of the season, and that's just something that. I appreciate you talking about, and I, it is something I'm looking forward to. I don't, I don't get to see a lot of the Rangers, or not Rangers, but the Academy games. I don't get to make it out. But from what I've seen of Little and Armstrong uh, so far in pre in the preseason games, uh, I, I've been impressed, and I'm looking forward to to seeing more of them as uh, hopefully either in the Academy games or with the Rangers at this point. I think it was great, even watching training yesterday. You know, you know, the, with sporting, we train in the morning, and then the, the Rangers train in the afternoon. So uh, it's it's convenient enough from the standpoint that we get a chance to go get over to Keno and watch both training sessions. Uh, you know, for you guys to come out during the course of the year when we're back in Kansas City, those teams will probably train roughly around the same time, maybe like nine o'clock, ten o'clock a.m. So they're always kind of together. But uh, you know, the idea of having kids like Will Little and Ezra Armstrong and Nassau Selbold you know, training and featuring regularly against full professional players. You know, yesterday in training, I'm watching, uh, you know, Will and Dreamer Dranda, you know, wrestling for a 50-50 ball. And, you know, my, my first thoughts on watching that is, you know, Will would never be exposed to something like that if he was playing an under-18 game. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they had to play against someone like Jimmy on a day-to-day basis and you know, players the same age, uh, physical attributes, you know, like, you know, he's being just challenged differently than he would be, you know, at the youth level. Absolutely, I I it, I think it just gives them a personally. It probably gives them a much better idea of what they need to improve on, what they need to do to to actually be able to really make it at that level and take the next step to to on to Sporting KC as well. So it, it's really great to see them getting these opportunities. Yeah, we're very excited about the future of uh, a number of these guys. I mean, look, uh, uh, our under-16 team in our academy obviously got a lot of promise uh, when you see uh, the nucleus of that group were four teams last year uh, playing a year up and won a national championship, the under-15 age group. Uh, I think what uh, what John Parry has done with that group, kind of shepherding them through from U14s and the U16s, uh, there's a number of those guys who I think have the potential to be future professionals with sporting if they continue to develop. Yeah, from I've, I've watched some. Of, I've watched a couple of their matches in the last few months, and I've I've been impressed with some of these kids. That are, how good they are! Um, I remember the first time I saw uh, Sebel out there was I was actually down there for something else, and one of the uh, the other teams came in and said he just scored a bike, uh, an awesome goal, and so everybody ran out to not that there was any replay, but everybody ran out to watch the rest of the game. Um, I think I actually talked to you that day. Um, it, it's been it's been fun. He's been one of the guys that's actually impressed me in uh, so far with the Rangers. Also, just he looks like he's always dangerous. Look, look at me. He started the other night. I mean, like he's 18 years old. You know, uh, he started against Arizona United. He can play as number 10, like an attacking midfielder. Uh, with the 18s team, he's played as number nine, like a center forward, like a Dom's role. 
Uh, and he also plays wide. So he's a, he's a versatile, dangerous attacking player. Right. Um, again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you guys are pretty busy out there in Arizona. Um, if, if you need to go, I'd be more than happy to let you go. If you want to, if you want to stick around for, I mean, tell us anything more. I'm not sure what else we have to ask you, but uh, I do really appreciate your time here, Mike. Well, it's my pleasure. Look, anything I do to, to give more insight what we're doing with uh, with sporting with the uh, Swope Park Rangers or with our academy, I'm happy to do so. All right. Uh, well, tell you what, I, I will let you go for tonight, but we will have you on again, hopefully in, sometime in the near future, and uh, you can uh, fill us in on what you've seen with uh, Oliveira and some of the other guys, if that's okay. That sounds great, guys. Thanks so much. Nice talking to you. All right. Thanks again. Take care. All right. You too. Um, for for people who've been listening, this is, that was uh, Mike Jacobs, the assistant technical director for Sporting Kansas City, uh, Swope Park Rangers, and he's been uh, very instrumental in building the uh, Rangers up from scratch. Um, so it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure to watch him work and Coach DeSantos pull that team together. Uh, have you got to watch the the games on on the line, Mike? Yeah, I got uh, the I, I've watched the the three we've been able to view and listened to, and to the to the crew game uh for for sporting as well um and i mean the 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 rangers have been the of the two teams the rangers have been the ones that have been the more impressive of the two if that makes sense i don't know if that's because I've seen kind of what the majority of the sporting roster can do. I mean, sporting doesn't have a whole lot of new faces that are coming into the lineup, so it's it's a lot of the guys that we've seen before. We know what to expect from them sort of thing. Um, with the Rangers, it, it's all new. It's different. So y- you get the feeling that it's it's more – I just get um, get more impressed watching that. Uh, than I do with, with sporting at this point. But, I mean, both both teams have looked impressive. I, you touched on with Mike the one area that is a, is a big concern, um, I think, for most fans at this point, and that's uh, what happens if Dwyer goes down for an extended period of time. Um, over the – at least watching the, uh, the, the draw with New England – uh, Shaloy and Peterson, I, I just, and I know it's preseason, but watching that, neither one looks overly impressive to the point that I would feel confident with Dwyer missing two to three games if he pulled a hammy or strained a quad or something. Yeah, that's that's obviously one of the the biggest concerns, and I know, I mean, fans have voiced it. It's we've we've heard it um, since Namath left. Um, and it's it's understandable that everybody has that concern. Um, I will say that I think uh, Shaloy, his name is, I think they actually pronounce it Shaloy, but I'm going to call him Daniel for the moment. <laughs> um, he looked impressive to me in the, the, the couple days that I got to see him up here in training camp. And but you gotta, I, what you have to think of, and what I have to always keep, you know, in check is he's a 19-year-old kid who he was playing in Hungary on the amateur contract, but you know he's never played a full season against adults, against full, you know, the, that speed and that size and everything else. He's in in the, the couple practices up here. He showed that he had some moves and he had a good shot and 
uh, he was he showed that that to me I, I, I'm not sure of the right way to say it, but the the appropriate frustration level when he when he missed a shot that he you know he was not satisfied with not being good that he's going to improve and I think he he will be a good player. It's hard to predict for somebody who's only 19 and things like that for the future, but he has that potential. Um, I just don't think he's ready to be that guy today. Yeah, and and that's kind of th- that that I guess was kind of the point with, with him that I was getting at uh, or was trying to get at. Um, not that I don't think the skills there for him. I just don't think. I don't think he's rounded out fully yet at this point, if that makes sense. And and I don't know if I'd feel like I said I don't I don't think I'd feel confident with him or Peterson starting three, four, five games in a row if something happened to Dwyer at this point. Yeah, I think I think if that happened, we'd be looking for a lot of goals from Davis and Zussi. <laughs> Um but hey, we're going to be looking for that anyway, aren't we? Need to make uh, it another thing that might somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. Unfortunately, you could say we really only need to spread them out a little bit. You know, just need a couple three from here and a couple three more from there, and it will kind of equal out. But um, yeah, we also I, I might mean, have better feeds to Dwyer. So yeah, no, I mean, Sorry, ahead, I, I think we can. I think we can make up the goals by committee. Um, I think I've said that for a little while, making up Maynard's, uh 10 league goals um, with Davis, Knapp, and and uh, more contribution from Zuzi closer to his average since 2010. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the making up those 10 goals isn't it isn't hard to see in that con in that concept. It's just the the Who's going to back up Dwyer? He, he's, I mean, Dwyer's been close to an Ironman for us over the uh, over the past two years. I mean, we've played 83 games. He started 69 of them, and he's played in. I think uh, I think he's only missed like four or five games over that two year stretch. So I mean, he he's been a bit of an Ironman for for a guy who 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 left Norwich because he he was injury prone it's good to see but at some point you need to give him a little bit of a break I mean that that I think is something that we've kind of seen from Vermes a lot over the last few years and it it doesn't get talked about a whole lot but he he tends to play a lot of guys a lot um if that makes sense like um if guys are available, they're they're playing like uh, Ros- Rossell and Sinovic in uh, in 2013 both played like 41 of the 43 games we played, and um, Beesler's regularly playing. Failhaber uh, played 32, 33 games this past season. Um, so there, there's just he gets a lot of use out of the players and. At some point, you want to get rest for those players, and I think Vermes has done that a lot this off season with the likes of Davis, who can play both out wide and in the middle. With the addition of Map, with bringing Olam back, the the one position again that he hasn't addressed, at least not yet, is center forward. And I mean, he, he's looking to address that. We know that with uh, with the news that Kenny Cooper's in camp now. 
Yeah, and whether or not that's the actual answer or he's just there to get a look. Um, I, I kind of made a joke with a friend of mine that I uh, we brought Cooper in to uh, just beat up on uh, Nuno Cueo in, in training so he knows what the league is actually like. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think Cooper could be a, a for, for the. I, I've said this. Uh, I, I said this on on the blog and on my Twitter account. I think Cooper would be for the right price. Cooper is a good signing for for this club. He, he's not going to be. He, he, we're not going to need him to play uh, to, to start twenty five twenty to twenty five games uh, in, in a season. We're we're going to need. The, the way uh, the way Dwyer plays, we're going to need uh, five, six starts in league play, and probably a few more in the Open Cup, plus just garbage minutes to uh, to to spot uh, Dwyer a little bit. It, it just he he's got experience. He's he 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 can score in this league. We we've seen that, and it would also just give fans the the idea that there could be some offense on the bench that could come in and actually score a goal for us this season, which we really did not have at all last year. Yeah, there was, there was definitely some times when we looked over the bench and like, should we bring in an outside back to help our offense at this point? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was a little scary a few times. Yeah, we, we, got, we got five goals from our bench last season from guys that came on as subs <laughs> last season. All five all, all four of those players that scored those five goals started at least half of our games. And most of them started over 20. The only one that started just half was Nagamura. So the Namath, Dwyer, and Failhaber are the other three that, that scored goals off the bench. Those are all guys that you pencil in as starters, at least in the general sense of it at that point. So we, we didn't get much contribution off the bench from normal bench players. And that's something that hopefully, uh, hopefully will improve this season. Now, in, in, again, I've I've been agreeing with your, the concern about not having somebody truly to back up Dom, but the one thing we're not talking about either is that uh, we do have the Rangers players there to call up if need be. We we can call up Dane Kelly or Turpak or uh, that's probably it at the moment. I don't think Selbo's ready to come up to that level level. But uh I mean Turpak has, you know, scored twice on Colorado in his career already. Um and Dane Kelly, you know, leading USL scorer, probably not gonna be the guy that comes up and lights it up, but he is a, a center forward that could come up and at least be a, a potential, you know, guy off the bench or start a game. Certainly, and which is one of the benefits of having that Rangers team. So, with all that said, though, I still would like to have another forward that could play either, you know, forward or wing, um, brought in. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, the, it, the getting the the ability to call those players up from from the Rangers and. I I still and that I'm going to go off topic here, but I still don't think we've fully had it defined how that process would work with calling up players that are under contract to uh, to the Rangers instead of under contract to Sporting. Um, 
I, I mean, I know we've talked about how, how LA did it with a few loans last year, but I, I don't, I don't know if there's actually a set process for that in the rules there, at this point in time. There, there at is least in actually. the rules I've seen. Yeah, they don't. They're not all published, from my understanding. But again, my understanding, and I could be wrong, but from conversations I've had with various people, uh, and actually, Vermees said said this part in one of the interviews. Um, if you call up a player four times from the USL, uh, you have to give them an MLS contract. Now, if that's four separate times or four games, I didn't. We didn't get a chance to get that ironed out. But he, the way he phrased it was, if you call up a player four times, you have to give them an MLS contract at that point. So you could, at least in theory, call up somebody for a couple, three games here, you know, a game there, that sort of thing. Um, the other direction is pretty wide open, sending players down. It's just that they have to be on the uh, master uh, budget sheet, essentially. And when, uh, with the exception of one player or something like that, you can send if you send one player down for the season, they you don't have to count them against your budget. Yeah, and I, I guess that would lead to another question of whether Anor fills that as the loan to uh, Minnesota or not, or if that is outside of those regulations. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, actually, I will try to get that question answered at some point, but my understanding would be that that would be outside of that because the questions that I asked was specific to an MLS USL loan or, you know, back and forth to your parent team and your your affiliate. Um, traditionally, loans are negotiated who carries the salary, uh, traditionally, from what I've understood, but that's I could be wrong, and that could change. And, and that and that's fair. Like, like I said, it was just it, it's another one of those, those I, I guess, gray areas that ha- isn't isn't spelled out in the uh, in the roster regulations that are on uh, MLS's site, at least not the 2015 version. Um, now I guess we'll wait and see when the 2016 gets posted this year. Yeah, that's definitely L.A. doing it last year threw a lot of people into a tizzy. Wait a minute, they could do that? And, well, everybody said, well, of course, it's L.A. But in reality, is there wasn't anything governing it and doing it, so they got away with it. They were very good at finding the loopholes and utilizing them to the max ability. All credit to them. Um, but that's that's something that I'm pretty sure sporting will use as necessary is calling guys up to to play, especially Open Cup games. Since uh, Swope Rangers can't play in the Open Cup, might as well use some of those guys in the Open Cup and get them experience and rest your own guys. Exactly, yes. I mean, if you can do it in that regard, sure. Uh, especially in instances, especially the the open cup where where the rangers can't uh can't even uh play in the open cup at, at this point they're they're uh barred from it because of the uh of the the relationship with sporting yep it that actually kind of disappoints me but i do understand it it just kind of disappoints me i would like to see the rangers play in the open cup also and 
and see what they could do, but such is life. Exactly. Um, now, we did get Mike to, when he was on, to at least say that there sounds like there's help on the way of some kind of attacking ability. Um, I know Rob has talked about it. Peter has said they're always working on somebody. Um, we heard rumors today that one of, it was actually a, a, a midfielder, which seems to be an odd choice. Um, it's, do you, there's always that rumor out there now of Raphael Vandevart. I know both you and I were kind of talking earlier today that we didn't really think that that was the probability, but have you heard anything more? I mean, I, I haven't heard anything anything more regarding it. The 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 Vandervart rumor came up last week, I think, or so, or started to come up, and uh, I, I think MLS uh, got a quote or got a comment from Sporting that they didn't hold the discovery rights on Vandervart anymore. And if that's the case, I don't know if I see uh, Kansas City being the ones that are actually interested in him. Honestly, with the Vandervart rumors, I almost put it more in the agent talk category at this point, where his agent's just trying to uh, get him a get him a contract with somebody or get him a new deal with somebody, and he's he, he's using the past interest from Sporting and MLS in general to uh, to, to try to get that bigger contract, whether it's somewhere else in Europe or or even China at this point. Yeah, that uh, China sounds like a good place for for Van Devart, doesn't it? You're right. Um, but do you see, um, you know, that rumor that there was the the person that's coming to help Sporting is a, a center mid? I mean, does that make sense more than a forward, or would that just be kind of with the with the players that Sporting has in the roster now? Do they need another center mid? I don't think they need another center mid, but I mean, I I look at it from the aspect of of the fact that uh, Rossell came to Kansas City as a center back and Olam came to Kansas City as a center back. And um, we've had a number of players come to Kansas City as different positions and they end up, their, their main position for Kansas City ends up being somewhere else on the field, basically. So, I mean, while... I don't think we need a midfielder, really. Um, I I would wait to see where he lines up on the field before I'm, but before I make my final decision. And that's very true. What people are listed at is not where they really always play, especially with sporting. Um, <laughs> that's a, that that is something that everybody has to keep in mind. Um, let's see. Any other good rumors out there, or what other conversation topics that we uh, need to cover at this point? I mean, we we kind of both touched on the the Vandervart rumor. We touched on Cooper. Um, I mean, we have uh, the the Okugo news that came out today. Um, that I think we were both. Uh, I don't know if we expected it with a waiver, but uh, I think. Parker, we both saw saw coming from uh, a couple miles away at this point. Yeah, the the waiver really doesn't surprise me. With uh, when he came here, Orlando covered a big chunk of his salary. I don't know if they were going to cover it this year or not. 
Um, and if they weren't, a lot of teams weren't going to take him. Um, and, you know, Orlando may have had something on their, their deal that they sent him here. If they moved him on, then they weren't going to cover it or something. I, you know, you never know how those deals work out. Um, I just, I didn't see a lot of people, a lot of teams interested in taking him considering that he didn't perform in Orlando and he didn't perform here. Now maybe he got a chance someplace else. Yeah, he 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 didn't perform here. He got two games here, one start and looked pretty poor in that game where uh where he got subbed at halftime against San Jose. So I he he just never never caught on with the speed of play his first half season and I assume at this point he the in preseason he just he just wasn't catching on with uh he still wasn't catching on with the speed of play and that that's why he uh that's why he was on his way out basically um yeah and as far as i know he he was never with sporting when they came back to kansas city and he hasn't been with them since they went back to arizona um so i i don't even know for sure did he play in one of the first couple scrimmages down there do you remember? Uh, I don't recall if he sure. played. In, he might have played in one of them, but I I have to go digging through uh, through the old uh, news releases on the game to see if he did. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't. If he did, it was minimal at, at that. It, if he did, maybe it was just the thirty minutes against FC Tucson. Well, so. I guess where I'm getting to is I really don't know that he was even with the team at all this year. Um, or uh, Nor and DeJong kind of in that same boat. Uh, neither, ne- none of those three were seen to be with the team when they were here in Kansas City. Um, uh, and Nor apparently was trialing with Minnesota and they wanted him, so he was alone there. Who knows where DeJong is at the moment, but I, I got confirmation today that he was not in camp. He is not injured in a way because of that, and the answer stopped coming with that with that answer. <laughs> um, um, so all I know is he's not in camp, and he's not injured, causing him to not be in camp. Which so. I think I think again with, with all three of those guys, I think I, I think we touched on it. Although I might have been a Twitter conversation that we had. Um, but I mean, it's, it's not surprising with any of those three when, when you really, uh, get down to it. Uh, Anor came in and started, played a lot at the beginning and then got hurt and could never get his spot back. And Casey's brought in a, a few more wingers, uh, over the off season and Halisey's looking like he might be, uh, bringing things together a little bit, um, this year. With with Deong, you have Sinovic, who you re-signed in the off season, and Dia, who performed well above his his level last year, um, which, which makes Deong, uh, who's the highest paid of the three, expendable. And, and at least at left back and at left mid, you now have or at left wing, the other position he plays, you have Davis and Map, two guys you just brought in, in in that regard. So I mean you're you're already too deep at both positions he really plays and then with Akugo you got you got Mustafar, you got Olam, you got 
Bale Harbor and Kintia, who, who can all play that, that deep line position. So, I mean, it was just a matter of all three of those guys were, it was just a numbers game with all three of them. Yeah. Now I, I would say, uh, Anor is probably the most surprising of the three and he's not surprising. Um, he was the one that contributed the most, was most cost-effective, and you know he was the one that probably was the greatest chance of at least seeing some minutes. Um, Akugo was probably never going to make it, and like you said, Dijon, he's too high-priced and too um, far down the depth chart to really stay on the team. So the question is, what happens to him? <laughs> Do they end up releasing him? Do they find somebody to trade for? You know, they I mean, send him I, I, to a Canadian I, team. I I think you got to at least try to find somebody that'll be be willing to take him, whether it's a, a trade to uh, one of the Canadian teams. Although I I don't think, um, I, I don't know who Vancouver's left back is, but I think uh, Montreal and Toronto are actually pretty set at left back. Um, for them at this point, to where they wouldn't really need uh, need De Jong there, um, and like I said, I'm not sure who Vancouver's left back is, but I, I th- there's really not a lot of I don't know if the Canadian teams would be that interested in him now that I think about it. Um, but then you got I mean, you, if you wanted to go further that the other way, you could go with. Um, you, you could look at the NASL. Maybe uh, maybe Ottawa or Edmonton uh, would be interested in taking him on loan. I know I know Ottawa has a few uh, a few Canadian nationals already with uh, De Guzman and a couple other guys. So maybe they're interested in taking him on loan or getting him on, on a cheap transfer or something. To, uh, and I, I know um, there's an advantage to Canadian teams in MLS to have Canadian players, and I don't actually remember the exact rules on that. But do you know if there's an advantage to NASL teams having Canadian players, Canadian NASL teams to having Canadian players? I don't know the NASL rule, roster rules that well. It's not something I've spent much time uh, looking at like I have the MLS rules. All right, come on, Mike. Come on. Um, kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, well, it's um, been. It will be interesting to see where he ends up, and because I'm fairly confident that it won't be Kansas City, and by the time it's all done, but could be wrong. Um, it will also be very interesting to see who is still brought in, the uh, in this window, if somebody is still brought in in this window. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, we'll say probability that somebody's brought in. Sounds like I kind of get the feeling they're getting really close, if not very close. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we, I don't think they'd be talking about it as much as they are if they weren't close with somebody. I mean, they're with, with general rumors coming out and just kind of the way the way Mike talked earlier and the way uh, things just seem, I, it it would be easy to assume that they have something that's getting close at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's, 
it will, it, it, like I said, it, it'll just be very interesting to see who that is and what position and how old they are. Um, <laughs> this team could use a little bit of youth at this point. Very true. It did get quite a bit older. I, I remember just the seems like just a couple years ago, but a few years ago now that we were talking about how young this team was compared to every other team in MLS and how it was, uh, you know, boded well for having a, a good team for a number of years. And that's kind of played out well, Is but we are kind of getting to the end of those guys. They're not youth anymore. And then we brought in a bunch of guys who were definitely not youth in the off season. So it's got to be one of the older teams Kansas City's had. Certainly, and at some point you got to start. Obviously, it won't be this season, but in and you got to assume the Rangers are going to play a big part in this. But you got to start looking to uh, to to replenish uh, at some point. I mean, the the core of the team is still still has another year, two, couple years. I mean, Failhaber's thirty one now. So I mean, he's the the question will be how long he can keep it up if he can even come close to replicating the the form he had last season. Um, you got to hope that Zuzi uh, turns things around from last year. I mean, Beesler is a center back. He's still got he's still got another five years left in him uh, at, at this point. I, I would think with uh, with the way uh, center backs can play um, longer than than those further up the field. But, I mean, you, you got to slowly start um, s- start getting the uh, getting the core changed out. Yeah, and at least at the outside back level, uh, I feel pretty good about that with, in uh, Dia and Saad Abdul Salam. Um, they're, they're young, and they've got a number of years left in them, and they're quite capable of challenging for the starting spots right now. Uh, Alice, we still got to see how he develops. Um, I think a lot of last year was just being the that transition from college to pro game and length of season and such forth. You know what I mean? That's typical for a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we just have a couple minutes left in our allotted time. Is there anything else we need to cover real briefly? I don't know if we can touch it briefly i mean we we th- there's really the the only other news we really haven't touched on was the uh what was heineman's q and a which i i think has kind of been uh done to death by everybody else at this point um regarding it and i mean we've touched on basically the the biggest talking point i guess which was um the the young stuff so uh, other than that there really wasn't a whole lot of uh stuff out of that that you could uh that really stuck out I guess. Yeah. I guess one the only other thing I can think of at the moment is the no other pub opened. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know we're the only team in the yet. league to have two clubs. <laughs> no. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I hope to make it out there soon. Yeah, I'll I'll I'm I'm aiming for the opener since I'm not traveling to uh to Seattle, although that might be a uh that might be a recipe for disaster depending for, for me just crowd wise. Uh but 
I mean, I'll make it out there this season, season definitely, probably sooner and later. It looks really impressive from uh, from everything that's going on. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think the first time I go will be on a non-game day. Um, <laughs> it, so I won't be necessarily with the huge crowd, and I can just check it out. All right. Well, um, thanks for coming on, Mike. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, thanks to Sporting Kansas City, Swell Park Rangers, Assistant Technical Director Mike Jacobs for having come on. Uh, thanks to Kurt Austin for actually helping arrange that. Um, that's pretty much all i got to say for today. Last words, Mike? I, I, it's always a pleasure. It's always fun, Fab. So I, I enjoy it. Okay. Um, stay tuned if uh, if somebody is signed in the next few days we might pop a, another podcast out, podcast out pretty quickly and uh, we'll hopefully have Steve back on for the next one uh, I could not do Wednesday night tomorrow is my anniversary and I'm pretty sure my wife would have killed me for having recorded a podcast in the middle of it Good so we had to do Tuesday night yeah uh, happy wife, happy life, kind of old saying. <laughs> Certain amount of truth to it. All right, well, this is Thad from thebluetestament.com, uh, Mike from down the byline, and thanks for listening.